You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, the triumphant return of Hall of Famer Ed Reed's Greek-white adopted brother, Glenn Eunice. We'll talk about the Carlos Correa contract and who the hell buys an NBA team without even a single championship for $4 billion? All that plus my essential three Christmas songs as we approach the big day. Your 35-minute dose of uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. Thank you very much for downloading. Before we get into everything here, including my friend Glennie coming on the podcast today, Franco Harris has passed away at the age of 72. He died overnight uh, in his sleep. No cause of death at this time. But Franco Harris was a living legend in NFL circles. Super Bowl champion, as well as the man at the center of the most controversial play in NFL history, voted the most iconic play in NFL history by NFL Films, the Immaculate Reception. This just two days before the 50th anniversary of that play, which was on December 23rd, 50 years ago, And three days before the Raiders and Steelers would play, will play in week 16 on Christmas Eve on national TV on just a day after the anniversary. There's going to be a lot that comes together in this game on Christmas Eve. And it's it's kind of a neat Christmas present. Now, it's obviously very sad that Franco Harris has passed away, but I think that's going to add an extra element to all the remembrances of this play on television. That said, I had to refresh my memory just a bit on the play because here's how it sounded back in the day. 
Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Franco Harris has it. And he's over. Watch this again. One million to one odds on this one. Ricochet out there off of Jack Tatum and into the man of the year, Franco Harris's hands. So that uh, that made the game. Uh, the final score is thirteen to six Steelers. They advanced in a playoff game. Uh, playoffs in December? Yes, the NFL season was shorter at fourteen games, and yeah, they would routinely play playoff games in December. It also launched the start of a bitter rivalry between Al Davis and the Rooney family of the Steelers for a lot of different reasons. One being that the Rooneys were, of course, NFL blue blood, and they had taken one for the team to move to the AFC when the AFL merged with the NFL. And that was seen as something that was like, look, we don't want to do this. We don't want to move to this other neighborhood with these jabroni teams and cities that have joined the mighty National Football League, but the Steelers being good league citizens did just that. The Rooney family did. The Raiders and Al Davis were public enemy number one to the Shield, and so therefore that added an extra layer of sizzle and spice to this rivalry. Now, the dumb thing about the Immaculate Reception is it was only a controversy because there was a rule in place at the time that if an offensive player touched the ball on a passing play, he was the only guy allowed to catch it unless it was touched by a defensive player or there was simultaneous touching. Why this was ever a fucking rule, nobody knows. But it's a good reminder of what we still need to keep doing with the NFL rules, like this McLaurin fiasco from this week. Get rid of the rules that make no sense, add no value, or are just too hard to administer. Maybe they thought back in the day, well, we can't have crazy tip passing plays where you throw it to one guy and he goes, boop, and he tips it to another player. That's all teams will do. They'll make a mockery of the game. That was the rule, and so then it became, well, did Frenchie Fuqua, the running back who was intended for, touch the ball alone, or did uh, Jack Tatum go ahead and uh, you know hit the ball with his chest? Because the ball flew back big time. It, it flew back almost, I don't know, 15 yards, 10 yards at least. And reading the Wikipedia page that over the years there were like professors that tried to set up experiments saying there's no way that Fuqua himself could have ricocheted the ball that far backwards without the help of the on-rushing Tatum with the hit. And of course, there's no really good angle that shows it per se, and the resolution of television back then was so bad that, uh, you know, it really wasn't clear. The iconic shot of Franco Harris scooping the ball up right before it hit the ground was done by NFL Films, 
a low end zone camera shot that in glorious slow motion lives on to this day. Of course, the Steelers did not win the Super Bowl that year. Even though they advanced, they lost to the Dolphins, who finished their perfect season that year and became Super Bowl champs. But the Steelers were then on their way, winning four Super Bowls in the next however many years. And uh, Franco Harris, of course, was a huge part of it. Franco Harris still, until his death, he was still a part of and welcomed and beloved by the franchise. Not so much Terry Bradshaw. Now, for... My Steeler fan listeners, I'm sure you'll send me a quick note via email to say, well, here's where, here's where and why Terry got sideways. And there may be with, you know, Yinzer Nation, a feeling of either this is wrong, they need to make this right, or fuck Terry Bradshaw. Seriously. He's the one that's got a problem, not the Steelers. But Franco Harris, rest in peace. And another element of Franco Harris's post you know, career, post-playing career, was the fact that at the height of the Joe Paterno scandal involving what did he or did he not know about Jerry Sandusky, he supported his college coach, because he played at Penn State, Joe Paterno, to the hilt. And it was a very lonely place to be for him. And he was derided as a bit of a nut and a kook. And I might have said some of the things myself. Now, I have since changed my mind on this, to a large degree because I have listened and I have read and I have absorbed and I have said, wait a minute, okay, I see now where I don't think Joe Pa really knew what was happening. I thought he got a bad, he got bad intel, murky intel at best from Mike McQuarrie. And so therefore he really didn't know what was going on. I believe that I listened to, uh, John Ziegler's podcast with the benefit of hindsight. He's been a guest on this podcast a couple times. I would have him on again, but he seems to be so polarizing. Some of you hate him so much. And I will admit that yeah, I love John. I love what he does, but his, his sort of raspy Bob Odenkirk voice and the way he is always like frantically pleading, like, I can't believe this in my face. You know, he, he has a hard time of just okay, relax, just talking normally like this. It's a bit like, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a bow saw cutting sheet metal at times with old Ziegler. If I could get him to calm down and slow down and talk in this kind of a tone more often than what he does, it'd be an easier listen. But I do recommend the podcast because there was a massive rush to judgment that I am embarrassed I got swept up in that wanted to say, oh, they knew it all along. The dirty, soulless, athletic behemoth of Penn State University and Joe Pa sweeping under the rug, a known pedophile coach because winning was all that mattered. It was a story too good to not be true in a way. It was too juicy to say, I don't know. I don't think that's the case. I think Joe Pa didn't really know what happened, and I think he tried to handle it the way he thought he should, it just got sideways quickly. There was, by the way, a ton of perverse incentive to go with the narrative that Joe Pa knew and everything else. Now, Ziegler believes that Sandusky is innocent. And this is based on the fact he smuggled a pen with a recorder in it into state prison to interview Sandusky at 
pretty significant legal risk because it was illegal to do so. And I respect that hustle. I can't say I'm there yet in terms of believing that Sandusky is innocent. There's just too much weirdness all around to not believe it. And, and, you know, pedophiles are unfortunately a real awful thing in life and society. But I'm now more convinced than ever that Joe Pod just was at the receiving end of a rush to judgment, a narrative that got too big too quick, and there was too many incentives to not go with that narrative. From Penn State and what they're going to have to pay out to the victims and to others, from some of the claimed victims who really didn't have much of a compelling story that came forward and said, ah, me too, because look, there's lots of money involved. Penn State was going to open up the coffers to settle it. But anyway, rest in peace, Franco Harris. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, let's talk about this $4 billion purchase of the Phoenix Suns and Carlos Correa getting paid by the what? The Mets? 
I thought he was going to the Giants. Glenn Yunus time. The Zabecast. Glenny boy, what's shaking, my brother? Just the holiday blues, my friend. <laughs> How can you be blue when you sent me a photo of your beautiful bride and your two beautiful daughters? Come oh, on, I'm man. Blue. I'm not blue. I'm pumped. You know okay. me. But you're saying that Mrs. G is no, stressed. I would never do that. <laughs> but I think that women in general at this time of year are definitely feeling the mental load. This is what I was at. By the way, happy holidays. Merry happy Christmas. holidays. Merry happy Christmas. Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Kwanzaa, all the other stuff, all the atheists. Happy December. No, uh, we don't wish atheists December. anything. Or Jehovah's Witness because they don't celebrate. Oh, really? Oh, a quick aside. Yes, sir. My phone rang. My phone rang the other day. I'm at the office. I go, hello, this is Glenn. Hi, Glenn. I'm so sorry for this random call out of the blue. Uh, my name is... Uh, Bob Smith, I'm from, you know, Joe's Printing Factory. We do all the promotional items. Um, was wondering who handles that in your office. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. My business partner is a Jehovah's Witness, and he doesn't believe in that stuff. Thanks so much for the call. Click. <laughs> I'm like, where did that come from? Such a great just hazing of these telemarketers. Oh, wait, but that's not a telemarketer. That's a guy trying to sell printing oh, services. Oh, that's fair. He was trying to sell promotional products that, that, and I, I, was, I mean to him. Sorry. And you were using, you were using a religious... I don't even have a business partner. You were, you, you were using, <laughs> you were using a religious sect as cover yeah. to clown a guy. Yeah. Shame yeah. on Jerk. you. Maybe that's why everyone hates me. Nah, I think it's a variety of reasons, but I don't hate you. It's good to talk to you. So uh, we got money stuff to talk about here, Mr. Money Man, since you are okay. a man who knows about athletes and money. Uh, first of all, Carlos Correa, $315 million from the, from the Mets after the Giants were going to pay him more, but there was a medical issue. And according to the story, uh, you know they tried to work it out. They had different opinions on the nature of the medical issue. But Scott Boris said, okay, fine, I'll go find almost as much money from another team. And he found it in Steve Cohen. Their payroll now, Steve Glenn, Cohen. their oh. payroll is going to be over $500 million. It'll be the highest payroll in baseball history. Your thoughts? He's probably not making any money on that team, but he's might not be losing much. And I, so a couple things speaks to the fact if you're a New York Met fan, you are in love with Steve Cohen. Finally, you got someone who's going to belly up and say, screw it. Spend Whatever like the Yankees. Spend, spend like the Redskins. I mean, well, actually, that was like the Redskins, uh, not the Commanders. Yeah, spend like the Yankees, spend like whomever. Um, and so they're pumped. Who cares? Pitchers, let's get them all. How old? Doesn't matter. Correa, maybe injured, maybe not. Let's bring them in. Who cares? Right. The second part is it speaks to how much money there is in baseball in general in the top markets, obviously, that the top market. And third, it speaks to an owner who's like, you know what? If I got to take a um, $100 million write-off this year, so be it. I had the tax appetite anyway. Because what, what we have to understand is guys with that type of net worth are always looking for offsets of, of taxes. So you take a loss in one business, you take a gain in another, they can offset in, in general terms. So, like, it doesn't really – he'd rather give it to Correa and have a shot to give it a go than give it to Uncle Sam. 
Um, and, you know, I'm not dig, di- diving into the guy's finances because I don't know, but I'm just giving you a, a, an idea of why right. somebody like that might spend that kind of well, money and might he, take a loss on the team. I, okay, so is he making money, quote-unquote, on an annualized basis of dollars coming in, dollars going out on the Mets? The answer is almost certainly no. Probably not. Right. But assets Equity. like baseball teams right. or major sports franchises, That's I've right. yet to see one sell for less than it was that's bought right. for. Have you? Yeah, and if you don't need that's correct. And if you don't need and not off the top of my head. And if you don't need the cash flow, Dan Snyder does need the cash flow. He's a poor owner in Bal and in, in, in Baltimore, right. listen to me. In 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 Washington. If like Steve Cohen doesn't need the cash flow, then you're okay to play the like the learners in, with the nationals. You're okay to play the long game of this asset's going up. This is an equity buy for me. I'm buying this. I'm gonna play some baseball and one year I make money, one year I lose money, whatever, doesn't matter. Big picture, this asset is growing for me. So most owners are down for that. It's a, what do you call it? Not a community. What, what are they? It's, it's a, uh, it's sort of a, it's a trust. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a national trust type deal where, hey, it's I'm doing this for the asset, greater good of basically. civic trust. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, I don't know and, about that. Fuck all that. It's still a business at the end of the day. It's still major financial investments. What, and you say write-off. What, did you hold yeah. on? Did you say write-off? You don't even know what a write-off on. is. Here. Oh, hey, you got it. <laughs> what happened to my stereo? It's all smashed up. That's right. Now it looks like That's it was right. broken during shipping, and I insured it for four hundred dollars. But you're supposed <laughs> to get me a refund. You can't get a refund. Your warranty expired two years ago. So we're going to make the post office pay for my new stereo now? It's a write-off for them. How is it a write-off? They just write it off. <laughs> write it off what? Jerry, all these big companies, they write off everything. <laughs> you don't even know what a write-off is. Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> but they do. And they're the ones writing it off. <laughs> You know, it's so good. The, the, the brilliance of uh, Michael Richards there, who sadly immolated his entire career in yeah. one bad moment on stage with a heckler while he was doing stand up post Seinfeld with the N bomb yeah. a million times. His facial acting there Ugh. and the way he digs into that scene. And I'm wondering how much of that was written by Larry David and the writers. But the funny thing is, as Jerry is properly challenging him, that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> he gets more serious, he gets quieter, and he leans in with a tone that says, listen, they know. They're the ones writing it off. It's, it's, it's gold. It truly, like, you know, yeah. gold, Jerry, it's gold. I mean, he is brilliant. All that right. show is brilliant. So put aside. You put, can't write that shit. Probably. I think it's half written, half ad lib. That's uh, right. Put, put aside the Cohen angle of it. So you're Correa. Yeah. You now have yeah. a mountain of money. You know this, Ooh. you know, knowing Ed Reed and his foundation Not and athletes that. with money. Not to that extent, but still. But yeah. How, how do you think athletes handle oh, a sudden it. mountain of money like that? They, their agents, generally speaking, uh, if they haven't put in place already, have recommended a financial advisor who has then a business manager. Because, okay, so there's, there's a couple layers of financial, you know, you need a fiduciary, 
someone who's and at his level he's already hopefully has somebody who manages his day-to-day bills and his finances so he doesn't see his cell phone bill he's not paying his mortgage he's not writing a check he's not coming out of his you know checking account that's that's already he doesn't carlos correa doesn't pay bills i would guess that he doesn't he pays a a guy or a gal to pay his bills yeah his financial advisor or his fiduciary has uh a secretary, an admin, that part of their yearly and you know annual checkup and all that, they go through all the bills. They have it on autopilot. They have an account that they fill for that, or a an account that transfers in to pay those things. It's on autopilot. Someone manages it, looks at it every quarter. You know the bills come to an office, not their house, right. generally speaking, or duplicates go to an office. It's basically they set up. Um, they set up access for a third-party person, a human being that manages that day-to-day, and they're not writing checks monthly. It's on autopilot. All right, but don't you Generally then – with, with the more people, though, in your financial kitchen, isn't the there – The more hands in the cookie jar, no well, doubt. Well, that's the thing. Don't you need people to watch the people? You do. You do. Um, and so you're paying for all of them, and mostly you're outsiders. So at some point, it'd be smart if you're an athlete to get maybe one or two guys – Who's who's policing the police is the question. Right. right? One like, or two that's, guys that's, that you keep a sharp eye on that's and right. you actually roll your sleeves up and maybe do pay a couple of bills like a normal yeah. Joe citizen because I mean, then you are you are now involved in your own finances. You're that it, it, logically yes, but there beyond. But it that. doesn't it and, doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter. And also <sighs> It's sort of like the cost of doing business. Like, there's not generally. By the way, you hear all these stories about guys getting robbed. Guys, there's a lot of people that don't and have their shit buttoned up. Um, oh, and, of course. And if there's leakage, like, okay, someone steals two million bucks from him, like, you know, is, well, it, is know. that is that worth it for him to have the peace of mind? I'm not saying this. I'm this is a bad, this is a bad comment, but. <laughs> The guy needs to focus on baseball so he can make $300 million. If someone steals $2 million, he was able to focus on baseball to get $300 million. Net, net, he's winning. Like, whatever. I, okay. Because, right, because I hear these you. guys don't pay their bills. They don't pay their real estate taxes. Next thing you know, their house is foreclosed even though they didn't know it. And it's not and it foreclosed. Makes, it makes TMZ. It's like Carlos Correa, $350 million contract, and he's a deadbeat because he didn't yeah, pay his, his property taxes. He doesn't know how to pay his property taxes, and then it went into foreclosure. And someone bought it at auction for $0.03 cents on the dollar. And he missed his opportunity to buy it back because they give you a big grace period. You know what I mean? Like, that's real. No, you're right on that. And can I just quick aside? I never know fully whether or not my shit's buttoned up on property taxes because it's like, oh, the new mortgager should have sent it to, you know, the county and they should be the ones to pay it. But don't worry. One call will get it straightened out. Or it's like, well, the tax base changed or the rate changed, so you were actually in arrears a little bit. But don't worry, we'll roll it into next year's, and we'll just keep it going through the bank and the mortgager uh, or mortgagee. No, I'm the mortgagee. They're the mortgager. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, but here's you, you'll. So athletes don't want to deal with all that, and they've got multiple properties and tons that's and right. tons of cars and personal assistance and tax that's liability right. and the tax liability. Every state they play in, they play two games in Florida versus two games in New York, and the difference uh-huh. is astronomical in taxes. That's right, 
and hopefully the team sorts that in their W-2 and it comes out that way. But some of these guys have entities and they get paid through their entity. I mean, it's a whole thing. Right. But then hopefully they so, got a write-off. They can find a write-off. Yeah, it's, so, it's a write-off, Jerry. So, yeah. So, basically, for a sport. It's a business inside the business. Right. For a sport that's dying, baseball. Yeah. Man, there sure is a lot of money still in a sport that's dying. Never quite so, seen that. Maybe baseball isn't as dying as people think. Uh, yes and no. So the demo's getting older, no doubt. But where they're still making a lot of their money is on regional sports networks, which are sort of past their prime but oh, not dead yet. They're not dead but, yet. The regional, the RSN model is yeah, in real dying. trouble. Real yes. trouble. So the second part of that is MLB, and this goes back about 10 years. MLB was the first one to really launch their MLB.com and their streaming and their app and all that stuff. And it was revolutionary. And the technology was so good that they actually ran the back end, nerd.com right here. They actually ran the back end for the WWF and for the masters.com and for the NCAA tournament for CBS. And they ran all kinds of back end. And it was a huge boon for them. Big, big money to each team. It was tons. ESPN bought in, I don't know, five years ago at like a billion bucks. And they actually sold the technology all into ESPN a couple years ago. But MLB.com made and still makes with their subscription model a ton of money for the teams in the league. And that with the still alive but dying regional sports networks is why there's money still in baseball. And just the vast amount of games at scale, even though ticket sales are a small portion it's going to come to an end at some point. How long? Not sure. Right now, Steve Cohen's got enough money to figure it out. What's going to come to an end? The regional sports networks and traditional cable and okay. things like that. Are you, are saying, are you saying $300 million contracts for ballplayers are going to come to an end? That's a good question. I don't, I don't, I don't have that answer. I mean, um, you, if you had been At bet- some point, you'd think they'd level out, but <laughs> I would have thought that 10 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's it just so, shows no signs of stopping. So, it's uh, really actually incredible when you think about it like that. As we just broke that down, like ten years ago, you're like twenty, and it's like shit. You're right because I, I when I was on the air, I would talk about the sports bubble bursting. At some point, this bubble's got to burst. Yeah, I know. Um, it is never. It's it's it, it hadn't made, yet. It, no, hadn't yet, and I'm not sure it's going to any time in the future. Now, baseball is in an interesting spot because they've got runaway franchises with billionaire owners spending through the roof. And then you've got a number of teams that not only are they small markets and not only do they have small payrolls, they are pretty much actively flipping the bird at even trying to compete. They, they don't even make a pretense of it and they know they're still going to get. We'll just take our rep share and keep it moving. Rev share. They're going to get X million people that come to the ballpark. If for no other reason, then it's a beautiful thing to do in the summer, have a beer with your dad, and maybe see another team that is trying to win it all. That's right. And they're just going to bump along that way. Now, I heard one interesting angle to this about, you know, they can't really force any more parity economically because the small markets are never going to spend anywhere close to the Steve Cohen's and the Mets and all that. But the one Mm -hmm. way they can induce parity without any real pain or objection is what they've done with expanded playoffs. With expanded playoffs, now the littles have a chance to sneak into the party. And then if they're in, in October, these series are so quick and so short sample sized, they can do some damage and go to the world series. That's right. Well, you know, the other thing about the haves and the have nots and, you know, maybe baseball's a, a, a window into, pure dirty capitalism maybe but i'll tell you what my father told me growing up 
you know, like a, a famous line from my dad, and it sort of level sets you. It's the world needs ditch diggers too, and like that was not from your too. dad. I that mean, was from Caddyshack. I didn't say he made it up. I just said that's what he would say to me. <laughs> he really said the Judge Smales line. Well, the world needs ditch diggers too. He would say that to me often because there's a level for everything and everyone, you know, and like math nerds are going to get upset at this, but he would say, you know, like half the world's below half the people in the world are below average. You're like the average versus the mean versus the media. Forget all that. It gives you an idea of like, Hey, not everyone's the same, right? There's a hierarchy of people and things and abilities and teams and uh, where you want to put your, your uh, energy and emotion, whether it's football or baseball or owners, whether the payroll. So, um, you know, that while I understand what you're saying is like, they're, Team slipping the bird, not spending money, giving my rev share and sort of like whatever ticket sales because it's nostalgia and people are going to go to the games. Oh, well, you know, the, the lead needs stick figures too. You know, there's going to be a last place in the middle and a first. That's just what it is. Well, that, that so, is definitely know. true. And, and the thing about spending all this money is it absolutely 100% does not guarantee no. the Mets do any better next year than they did this year, which was good, but not great. Right. But also, if you are worth X amount of billions of dollars, like, you know, it's it's next level gambling. Uh, it's 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 your own. Per- as we talked about, it's your yeah. own personal fantasy team. And, but I would say and, it's not even gambling because NFL, all these major franchises, yeah. they don't sell for less. The worst you're going to get hurt is a little bit. You're not going to go broke. Now, there's one exception no, no. as we pivot to the other big financial story in sports, and that is the Phoenix Suns selling to a, a young guy so by the name of Matt Ishbia, who played so at Michigan State, was a bench scrub there, loves basketball. He runs this major mortgage conglomerate. He apparently yep. got into the business. His dad founded the company. It's done very, very well. Um, and he spent $4 billion for the Phoenix Suns in market number 11. There is not a single trophy in their case as a pedigreed franchise, no championships for them. And it's way too much money, way too much money. And especially considering the fact he's only worth $5 billion. Yeah, I mean, well, he did he. Okay, so I may have this wrong, but my understanding is he bought 50% of the team and what he kicked in makes the team value that four billion. Oh, so okay. Uh, I, I, but, but yeah, if that's I, but the I case, but, then but check, okay. So he's check, only in for two billion. I don't know. I could look it up. It. But again, the it, when I heard the Redskins on debt, you can buy this stuff on leverage. You know, okay. you can get you can get a loan for this stuff. Here's my problem, Glenn. And uh, again, something is only worth what anyone is willing to pay for. That's right. Um, if the Broncos, the Denver Broncos. Right. Pedigreed NFL NFL team. If they sell for four point six five billion or whatever it was, there's no yeah. way on earth the fucking Phoenix Suns, even with their I awesome agree. gorilla mascot dunking off trampolines, should be worth four billion. No fucking yeah. way. I agree. Um, I, How? Why? I agree. Make I it make sense to me. I don't but, get okay, it. Okay, I'll tell you why. China. 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 Uh, as as Trump would say, China. You got to remember China. This is a, you know, okay, sorry. Uh, Go ahead. No, Asia, China, the Orient. Are we allowed to say that? Uh, That that term is out of fashion, my friend. I I actually heard some, a a, a human person. Far East, Asia. Don't say Orient. (laughs) No, a human person 
in in the last six months to me said oriental as it relates to an asian person and i'm like bro what in the hell are you saying like that is inappropriate yeah like also what is this 1953 like what you're you're a 40 year old what's <laughs> what, what's happening here um and i was like i literally it was like that is i don't think we use that term anymore dude. i know he's like really and i'm like yes really yeah people's sensitivities change you know my my yeah. my father he was would, just unaware and i'm like dude my father would always have an expression that he yeah. would say with not a racist bone in his body that went as follows how much rice can a Chinaman eat? Oh, what's that now, have to do with the price of tea in China, Glenn Sr., another one, same a, thing. Yeah, there's another one there. But, okay, so Chinaman was at one time not yep. verboten. And right. the notion of the, the concept of the phrase was essentially if you have so much of something, yeah, how much more do you want? You know, so how yeah. much rice could a Chinaman eat? Well, you know, the, right. the, 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 the sensitivities changed along the way. I think I might have said that on the air once. In the early aughts, 2000, before social media could erupt and ruin your career. Thank God. <laughs> I know. And they're like, oh, you well, how about RG3? Say Did you hear RG3 the oh, other the R- night? Oh, okay. The, the, the RG3 thing is gobsmacking to me that either he, he doesn't, doesn't know, know what it. He, say- he doesn't know what he's saying. He didn't he, know what he was he saying. He didn't know Gabu was a slur. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, then he's not These as smart as he thinks. He, no. He is. I mean, he got all of us, you know, <laughs> know 11 years ago. So well does. spoken and, and just charismatic and we thought bright. I mean, anyway. So anyway, um, so as as far so as the, the NBA China, franchise valuations, China and, and Europe, because because it's and we talk. This is this is you know common answer, but football players' heads are buried in helmets. Basketball players are not. They are very marketable. Going back to streaming, these games are watched and consumed and bought sneakers and jerseys like crazy in yeah. Europe and overseas and in China. They're making so much money overseas on merch and games and streaming. You can't believe. Now, do I think that Phoenix Suns, so go the Phoenix Suns, as do the Denver Broncos? No chance. Some dude who owns some mortgage shops and the Walton family, like, this doesn't add up. Like, the numbers don't seem to be the same. But, but, you know, if I were to guess, China. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And that's why they that's why they bent the knee to China uh, during the whole totally. Daryl Morey controversy and everything else, because it's a league that has essentially been captured by yes. the Chinese government. The league yes. is a captured entity that has to exist with China, but it you know, it, it probably will be a great investment for old Matt Ishpia when it's all yeah, said and done. I, Son I, of a bitch. I, I guess. I guess four billion dollars. Real quick, I got a couple minutes left, and then we're going to wrap it. What else was uh, hot on your mind this week? Well, well I just I, I wanted to. Okay, I have two girls. You have two girls. We're girl dads. Mm-hmm. I, I I I I love girls. By the way, I think the women's U.S. national soccer team. This is where we're going. They're very attractive. I love athletic chicks. I played soccer my whole life. Like I do too. Trying to hit on trying to hit on the soccer girls like that was a thing if a cute girl is athletic the athleticism adds another couple points of attractiveness if not more plus you know the legs and the tushies and it's fantastic and i want the women's national team to be as successful as possible and i want them to have as lucrative jobs as possible and i here it comes here it comes people can you hear it coming can you hear the train can you hear the butt can you hear the butt train coming down the tracks here it comes it is i'll give you the butt but you know i'll tell you i just finished reading a book that people have probably read when they were kids atlas shrugged by ann rand right and it's really a book about socialism okay and taggart railroad and train all this and i was reading it 
and I finished it prior to the World Cup. But when the men won and the women got three hundred and eighty some thousand dollars because the men won, I'm like, we are living in a socialist society. There are two, and we, we all, and I'm not political at all, and I know this sounds political. There are two different topics happening. Do the women need to get paid more? Fine, yes, let's agree to that. Why do they get paid more when somebody else is successful? It doesn't make any sense. Why are, why, why does one get rewarded based on the merits of another? That doesn't make sense. That's not how we should train our kids and our society. If if the women should make more money, they should negotiate. We as a society, whatever the U.S. national team in general, men, women, agnostic, should design a percentage that goes to the women commensurate to what they that program brings in. If they need more money, give them a higher yeah. percentage. But based merit being being rewarded based <laughs> on somebody else's merit doesn't make us win long term as a society. It's Meshuggah. <laughs> it it's crazy, Glenn. But the men agreed to it. For one simple reason. They would none get of, crushed if they said no. Exactly. None of them wanted to stand up and take the smoke that it, they would you get. You know what? I, I'm happy to support the women's national team. I want them to make more money. Equal to all that. That's fine. But it shouldn't be based on the men doing anything. <laughs> but that's, if the okay. men lose, why do the women lose? Okay, it but, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Here's the reason why. It's very simple. That's where the money is. Just like the old line about uh, Willie. Just give Willie... it to them. Don't make it on merit. If the men well, lose, then okay. the women lose. Then everyone loses. <laughs> what are you talking? It's stupid. <laughs> if the, it, they need to be separate. The women should get paid more. Great. Pay them more. It shouldn't be based on the merit of anybody else. It's ridiculous. And if those anybody else's don't achieve, then, then everyone's a loser. Then what are we talking about? Then the women get nothing too. It's outrageous. <laughs> It's outrageous. Well, and we're setting ourselves up for failure when we teach our people this. Uh, born in 1901, Willie Sutton had become one of the first top 10 fugitives on the FBI's list because he was a serial bank robber. And when <laughs> asked, Why do you rob banks? he said, and I quote, Because that's where the money is. <laughs> And it's yeah. a brilliant line. And so when you ask why did the uh, women's team you know, take the money from the men, because that's the only yeah. place the money is, that the only commonality between the women's team and the men's team is the flag on their jerseys. There's no right. money in the women's game, not relative to the men whatsoever. And so, therefore, if they're going to get the money, U.S. soccer as a federation didn't right. have all this money to make the pay equal just because the women wouldn't shut up about it. They had to go find it somewhere. And the only place right. to find it was on the, the men's side of the ledger. And the men and I get were too cowardly to stand up and go, this is bullshit. Listen, I get that. But, see, that's not my argument. My, if, if the argument is the greater U.S. soccer federation has X amount of dollars and we're going to divvy it out equal, great. That's fine. And that was negotiated behind the scenes. You just don't like oh, the fact that the women could oh, actually lose if the men have a shitty World Cup or don't qualify like they did four years ago. Correct. Or that their compensation is in any way tied, at least publicly, to the merits of somebody else. It doesn't teach us to achieve oh, on our own. It teaches oh us boy. to ask somebody else for what we didn't earn. Listen, you're not wrong, 
but we're so past that, Glenn. I, you know, we could do a whole but podcast on how fucked up everything is. is. Our goddamn Congress is going to push through $1.7 trillion three days before Christmas on a 4,491-page bill that none of them have read that has all kinds of bullshit in it. It's all beyond ridiculous. I wish it weren't, uh, Glenn, but it is, my friend. Yeah, I, look, I'm all for more money, but it shouldn't be based on the merit of somebody else. Based uh, on your own merit. Right. How much money will you spend on your girls for Christmas? All the money, right? Because they're sweet little girls, and that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm jealous, despite the fact it's a lot of work and a lot of headache and stress. Oh, my God. I see your little girls, and I say to myself, man, do I miss those days when my girls were young. So cherish I'll it. Trade Take you. Lots of... Trade you. We'll work on that. <laughs> Future picks, maybe avoidable year in there. I don't know. I'll come babysit them. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Oh. Okay. Good to talk to you. Say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Brother. See you, Glenn. Thanks. I'll end on this. Yes, there will be a subscriber edition of the Zabecast tomorrow, Friday the 23rd. There will be a short subscriber edition Monday the 26th. And then I'll take the middle of the week off and I will do a subscriber edition next Friday in advance of week 17 in the NFL. Yes, even yours truly needs a few days off. But I'll finish with what I consider my three essential Christmas songs. Not necessarily my top three or even my favorite three or the best three. That's all, you know, a different way to look at it. I look at essential songs as I want one, if I'm only picking three, I'm going to pick one from each category that I look at the holiday in. One would be Andy Williams' Most Wonderful Time of the Year. That is an upbeat banger that describes this sort of vibe of Christmas. Then I would do Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which is a song that obviously ends most Christmas services. And you march out into the crisp Christmas Eve air with that song ringing in your ears, and it's a beautiful thing. It ends Charlie Brown Christmas, Hark the Herald Angels Angels Sing. And then this one, The Christmas Song. Great simple title. Really know how to fly. Sung by the great Nat King Cole, but written by Mel Torme back in the mid-40s. Mel Torme was known as the Velvet Fog for his incredible voice. They gave it to Nat King Cole and said, here, you should sing this. He did over the objections of his label, believe it or not, and it became a monster hit. They added a string accompaniment, which you hear here. That obviously makes it, but man, what a song, huh? Little piano interlude. It's a three-minute and ten-second song. That's it. But it's got all the feels, if you ask me, especially the way it ends up winding up. The Christmas song, Nat King Cole version. It's been covered a million times by a million artists. You may have your favorite one, but this is the OG goat, so let's just soak it in. And so I'm offering simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two although it's been said 
Many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to That is perfection right there. For my freeloaders who do not subscribe, Merry Christmas. And for you subscribers, I'll see you tomorrow. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.